This morning, as we open the Word together in this third message in the series, I just want to thank Pastor Jeremy for doing a wonderful job last Sunday. If you were out and drove by, the main roads were cleared, but our parking lot was eight inches thick and did not have the wherewithal to be able to get it prepared. And, um, and honestly, it would have probably cost us $1,000 if we would have paid to do that. Money's a little bit tight right now. And I said, if we'll just hang tight, the Lord will do it himself. And so we won't have to. <laughs> and so by Tuesday, certainly by Wednesday, it was all cleared. Um, Pastor Jeremy did a wonderful job. I loved it. Uh, little, I was going to do that the week before. And we were able to get our team together here. And so we went ahead and did it on Sunday morning. And so he took the idea and ran with it. And I love that intimate setting in his house and bringing you a great, uh, encouraging word on not losing heart. And even when you do lose heart, I think he said one of his points was, does it mean you have to lose faith? Certainly losing heart can deal with your emotions and maybe your motivation or your excitement about something. But, but faith can be a gird, an undergirding, can be... Certainly hope is an anchor of our soul, is what Hebrews 6 described it as. Today I wanted to go a little bit deeper. We're going to do five in this series um, today, next Sunday, and then I'll conclude it on the 14th. Uh, February being Valentine's month, being the heart month, so to speak. Um, uh, Black History Month and the contributions that so many amazing African Americans have made to American society for hundreds of years. Uh, today, I'm excited to bring to you a little bit deeper in this series, and the question is asked, what is your heart condition? What is your heart condition? Our series text is found in Proverbs chapter 4. The Bible says in verse 23, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Find a screen and read this one verse with me, please, if you would. Guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. King James says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So I believe a meme that I read a few weeks ago said, whatever your heart is focused on that you're continually thinking about, that's the direction you're heading in. Okay? So our hearts are critical. It's important what we're putting in. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 12, out of the abundance of the heart, what? The mouth speaks. So these two are tied together. And when, notice when we say heart in Scripture, we're not talking about the blood pump in the middle of your chest. We're not talking about this significant muscle that controls your circulatory system. But we're talking about the core of us as humans, which would really be Eastern thinking. It would reside in the gut. Proverbs 20, 27 says, The spirit of the man, the spirit of man, is the candle of the Lord searching all the inward parts of the belly. The Apostle Paul talks about bowels of mercies, bowels of compassion. What, what, a, what a just bizarre, in the 21st century, we're going, bowels of compassions. What do you mean? I, I, I don't want to see any bowels. I don't want any entrails. But he's talking about literally being driven, having the love of God from a very gut response, from you know, somebody says you better listen to your gut. You've got a gut feeling. And that's really not wrong. It's actually biblical because it's from here that we hear the still small voice of the Lord. It's from here, this belly region, that we are, we are led. When we say heart, though the Greek word for heart in the Bible is cardia, 
K-A-R-D-I-A in the English transliteration. There is no C in, in Greek, but kappa, the Greek letter kappa, which is equal to our letter A in our alphabet. But cardia in the, in, in the, in the word of God is literally talking about the center of man, out of that core, out of the essence of who you are. And so this morning when I ask the question, what is your heart condition? I'm not talking about the blood pump, but I'm talking about the very core of who you are. What, what is the condition of in your intimate moment where you think wh- who and what and where you're headed? Those critical moments, I think, can help reveal the condition of our heart. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So it's important what we're putting in, what we're allowing to stay in, because it's out of all of that that everything comes out of here. Somebody said, you know, I really can't tell what's in his heart. Well, just be quiet and listen, because he will reveal the contents of his heart shortly by what's coming out of his mouth or out of her mouth. Somebody say amen. And so that's the reason it's important not to just try to fill nervous space with words, but learn to be a good listener as well. The scripture says, slow to speak, quick to hear. My daddy used to say, son, you've got two ears on both sides of your head, an ear on both sides of your head. You've got two of them. You've got one mouth. You ought to be listening twice as much as you're talking. And he was directing that toward a smart aleck teenager and saying, you need to learn to listen and pay attention. <coughs> oh, man, this is not even my message. But what was it? What was it they said in Sister Act? If you want to be somebody, if you want to go somewhere, you better wake up and pay attention. Y'all ever watch that movie, Sister Act? I mean, that's like gospel for me, I'm going to tell you. Abby was home for a couple of weeks, and Sister Act was on. I said, come on in here. This is the good part. (laughs) Um, So what is your heart condition? The message text today is found in Luke chapter 8. Five verses, four through eight. One day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable. Everybody say parable. To a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant his seed. As he scattered it across the field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Still, other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. When he had said this, he called out, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. That last phrase is critical because it is the most repeated phrase of Jesus in the New Testament. He said that over and over and over and over in the book of Revelation. He says it multiple times. Anyone who has ears to hear, let him hear. I don't believe that when he was looking at the crowd in that moment, in the Sermon on the Mount, and he said, anyone who has ears to hear, let him hear. I don't think he was talking about the, the, the physical flesh appendages on the side of their heads. More than likely, 99.99% of the people out there had those. Uh, but he's talking about the spiritual faculty of hearing. If you've got ears to hear, and I want you to recognize this, in your heart, I want you to take the H off the front and the T off the end and what's left. There's an ear in your heart. Take the T off and you can hear with that ear in your heart. Okay? So this, this heart down here, if you have ears to hear, 
let him, this is not gender specific, let the person, let humankind, let man, let woman, let all creation hear what the Spirit says, the book of Revelation says to the churches. One thing that I want to bring this morning, those of you that know me know that I use this little teaching tool, I repeat it through the message so that you get this if you don't get anything else. This is the one thing. Find the screen, read it out loud with me. Here we go. Hearing the word and producing its fruit in our lives are two entirely different things. The difference is in the condition of our hearts. Now, like you really mean it, say it. Here we go. Hearing the word and producing its fruit in our lives are two entirely different things. The difference is the condition of our hearts. I believe you've almost got it. One more time. Here we go. Hearing the word and producing its fruit in our lives are two entirely different things. The difference is the condition of our hearts. Hearing and producing are what? Two different things. And what's the difference? The condition of our hearts. Pray with me this morning. Father, help us today. Help me to be clear. Help me to be concise. Lord, I open my heart to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Let me speak today, even as the epistle of Peter says, as the oracles of God. Thank you for your written word. Thank you for the spoken word that, like a coal off the altar, will touch and penetrate every soul in this room and every individual who hears this in the future. We ask you for that because it's only your spirit that can change us. It's only you, Holy Ghost, that can transform us. Jesus, we honor you. Father, we lift you up. In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people said, amen. What is a parable? What is a parable? Jesus used this simple tool to communicate some of the most profound ideas in the history of man. He was not a long-winded preacher. The older I get, the more I aspire to be able to say what I need to say and sit down. I heard that yell. No, I'm, I'm, I thank you. I appreciate that. I, I was just being, I was just kidding. Um, Y'all, when I was young, I was mentored by a guy who, first of all, I used to say I should have been born during the Puritan Great Awakening era because they literally preached by the turning of the hourglass. And if you didn't preach past one turn, you weren't worth your salt as a preacher. I just said I should have, I was born 250 years late. <laughs> that was supposed to be funny. Um, I, the, the older I get, the more I recognize the importance of not only clarity, but brevity. And Jesus was a master at this. He said more in about 18 minutes than a preacher can in a lifetime. And matter of fact, we examine these words. We analyze these words. We look at them. And he used this amazing tool. When he would talk to farmers, he would talk about wheat in a field. When he talked to fishermen, he would talk about casting nets and mending those nets and, and, and bringing in a great draught of fish. He would talk about ordinary things like a, a woman losing a coin and sweeping her house until she found it and, and talk about domestic things to the women in the crowd and he would talk about taking yeast and folding it into the meal or to the flour until that yeast would literally take over the whole lump and he was talking about the kingdom of God that began small but that eventually will consume the whole of creation and so a parable is a natural story with a spiritual meaning and the Greek word parabole, para means alongside, a para-church ministry works alongside the church, okay? So para is alongside. 
bole comes from the Greek word bolus. It's like a ball. As a matter of fact, physiologically, when you eat, you chew your food into a bolus, okay? So bolus is the Greek word, which means ball, and from, from its root, it means to hurl. So parabole means to hurl alongside. So Jesus is out here, a master teacher, and he's hurling a natural story, which alongside it has a spiritual lesson. So a parable is something that if you have ears to hear, there's a deeper understanding than just the surface. And it's way more than wooden literalism. As a matter of fact, theologians across the board, whatever your perspective, whether it's liberal or progressive or it's conservative uh, or reformed or fundamentalist, all of those will tell you we don't use parables to define or derive dogma or doctrine because parables are loose in the sense that there can be multiple interpretations, and that's okay. We just have to make sure that when we do that, that all of the rest of the word is used to question and keep in line whatever those interpretations that we're arriving at, okay? Because you don't just pull one passage out of obscurity, and then because if you do that, you can make the Bible say anything you want to. Because we've used the Bible historically to justify all kinds of things. And I won't, I won't run down that path. But that's why we have to take the whole counsel of the Word of God and make sure that it's standing in agreement. Can somebody say amen? Okay, so a parable is a natural story with a spiritual meaning. So Jesus is hurling alongside this concept of these seeds that are being sown. And he says it to these people, and he literally says, you know, I've, I've, I've said this in parables so that those of you who are part of hearing won't even hear it. And that's in the text that I did not include. And I ask you to take time and check out Luke 8 on your own. For the sake of time and brevity, I didn't read the whole passage to you today. But he's with the disciples after he preaches this short sermon, and they ask him, what did the parable mean? They're right there on site with him, and his own disciples had to ask questions. There's never anything wrong with saying, I don't understand, what does that mean? And as a pastor, as a teacher, I have learned not to be ashamed to say, I don't know, but I can find out. Someone who is so insecure, better said arrogant, and by the way, those things are, they're twin sisters. Arrogance is just overdressed insecurity. You can write that down. We were sitting in a heart-to-heart -heart talk. Abby said that this week. She's so poetic and such a songwriter, and she said, arrogance is just overdressed insecurity. I said, oh my gosh, I need to take some notes. I'm going to use that in my message Sunday. And, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I love that, because think about that. So many times, people that are, that are super superfluous, they're over the top, they're trying to cover for the less than feeling that they have in their own heart, a sense of insecurity. And so I, I, I want you to recognize this morning that, that we approach the word with, with a sense of humility, and the disciples, the disciples were not ashamed to say, hey, I don't understand this. Would you, would you please tell me what it means, Lord? And he says, okay, this is the explanation. I've got four points I want to hit quickly. Number one, the first one, the heart condition is a hard heart. We might refer to this that biologically or physiologically is arteriosclerosis. It's the hardening of the arteries, so to speak. Okay. He says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The seeds, verse 12, that fell on the footpath. Everybody say footpath. So it's underneath the feet. Everybody's trotting on it. 
Sometimes you feel like your life has been walked over by other people. You've been stepped on. You've been a doormat. He says the seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who, notice every one of these four conditions can hear the message. It says represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their what? From their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. Hardness of heart, the hardening of the arteries physically and spiritually is a horrible condition. My grandfather, great godly man, experienced arteriosclerosis in his later years and wasn't able to think as clearly from dementia, possibly could have been Alzheimer's. This is before they ever used the word, but he had hardening of the arteries and it had to do with his diet. And there was so much grease, you know, in the way southern cooking back in those days. And we've made some adjustments, hopefully. But it, it affected him. And certainly I believe that when we do not have the ability to respond to the word of God and the seed is ripped from us before it can germinate, this condition of hardness is one that we desperately need God to do something in our lives. This is what Ephesians 4.18 says. He's describing those. It says they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Sometimes folk are just hard-hearted because of the life experiences they've had, because of being betrayed, being hurt, being wounded, and letting that bitterness be nursed into a root of bitterness and a grudge, and it just becomes harder and harder and harder and harder. I think that there are a couple of ways to interpret this. Number one, hard-heartedness is just the, the, the condition of every unbelieving sinner. It is, it's Jeremiah 17, 9, where we, where we began. The heart is deceitfully wicked. I mean, who can even know it? But the promise comes in Ezekiel 36 that I will give you a new heart, not a stubborn hard heart, but a heart of flesh that is responsive to me. We don't want to stay in a condition of being hard-hearted because hearing the word and producing its fruit in our lives are two entirely different things. The difference is the condition of our hearts. Point number two this morning is if we've come to Christ and he's given us a new heart and we're not dealing with this hard-hearted condition, we can be believers, but we can have a divided heart. We can have our emotions and our affections and our attentions stretched in multiple directions. It was the writer of Colossians. This is not in my notes, but it just quickened to me by the Holy Spirit. He said, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Where he says, you are dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And it's important that we recognize that we are here living, but we, are a, we have citizenship that is from somewhere else, citizenship that is in heaven, that we're living in this plane, but we are in this world, but not of it. Somebody say amen. A divided heart. Luke chapter 8. eight. By the way, this appears in all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Okay, In Mark 4, in Matthew 13, that's the longest one of the description of this. Luke 8 is the shortest one, and I did that on purpose today because I wanted to focus on this heart condition. He says, with a divided heart, as our point, he says in verse 13, the seeds on the rocky soil represent those who, everybody say it, hear the message. See, all four of these can hear. They can hear the message. They hear the message, and they receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. The longer, the, the longer 
uh, representations of this parable actually say that when the sun comes up because the plants are not deeply rooted and they have a lack of moisture, then they wither. The sun is a picture of the, the trials and the tribulations that come in the life of the plant or the life of the believer. The seed has germinated. It started to produce a stalk. There's no fruit yet, but because the, before the fruit can ever grow, because there is a rocky table... This is not just being filled, a field that is filled with a bunch of different stones, but this is like a table rock. It's like bedrock underneath a portion of the land or the soil of the property. And if you can go down six inches, but then you hit something and you've got to, you've got to drive through it, you've got to jackhammer through that. There's, there's, a, there's a division. There's a blockage in the heart. You're going you're to need a stent. You're going to need something that can go in and roto-rooter that thing out and pull it open so that you can get a free flow. The soil of your soul can receive the seed of the Word of God. And I, I'm going to be real plain here. This, this makes me think of the person who comes to victory and they're so moved by the music and they get excited about the preaching and they come up to me after service and they'll say, oh, how can I join your church? And I say, hello, I'm Pastor Michael. What is your name? And I, I'm, I'm, I'm being facetious on, person, on purpose because nobody in this room went out on one date and asked that person to marry you. Now, I believe you can know, but if you got some sense, you won't say that right off the first hand because you're going to scare the person that you're trying to get to fall in love with you. Listen, I've been a pastor now for over 30 years, and every person that's ever asked me to join this church, join my church, join our church, at the end of their first service experience, I never see them again. And it's, I, sometimes I just want to go... You know, it's been nice to meet you. Have a nice life. I know I'll never see you again. Because people like that are just excited. There's no roots. There's, they, they experience the joy. They touch something in here that maybe they haven't encountered before. And normally, out of grace, I will say, we encourage you to come for a while and get to know who we are. Just really figure this thing out and, and sit and meet some people and, and put some roots down. Because we're not one of those churches where every Sunday morning we're, we're, we're giving you part of the altar call where you can come join this church. We do that intentionally. Somebody say amen. Because I think you need to be informed. I think you need to be, you need to recognize. Because one service, one service, whether I hit a grand slam or whether I barely make it to first base in the baseball metaphor, you can't judge a ministry by one service. And folk get excited and they have joy and there's no roots and we need to let our roots go down deep. And sometimes we need to get out in the middle of our fields with a, with a big Holy Ghost John Deere and a, and a big deep plow and disc that mess up. And we need to pull and plow and haul those rocks off. Come on, somebody. Put your hands together and give the Lord praise. Psalm 86, David said it this way. Teach me, O Lord, your way that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Immature, carnal Christians can have one foot in the world and one foot in a relationship with Jesus. The Lord doesn't love you any less than he does anybody else. But you will not see victory until you get your heart united and you are living in a place of what it means to be wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord. Come on, somebody, help me a little bit today. He says, I will give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart. 
and I will glorify your name forever. James 4 says it this way, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. We're divided. We have divided hearts. We have divided attention. I I work on when I sit with someone or when I'm talking to someone to be fully present and to give them my attention, not looking behind them to see if there's someone more exciting that I can talk to. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You ever been around folks like that, that they're with you until they see somebody that they think is more important walk by and then they sort of drop you like a hot potato? No, no, no. We, We need to be focused. We need to be intentional. Hearing the word and producing its fruit in our lives are two entirely different things. The difference is in the condition of our hearts. The third one this morning in this, all these are about hearts, see? It's not just seed in the soil. The third one is a congested heart. We would call this congestive heart failure. Look at this. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who, everybody say it again, hear the message, but all too quickly, the message is what? Heather ordered me a new one, man. This is, this is fire. I'm telling you, it works. The message is crowded out by the care, say it with me, the cares and the, and the pleasures of, that's the Greek word, bios. We got some stuff. We got some worries. We got a mortgage payment. We got a car payment. We got the, the dentist bill. We've got concern about our teenagers. Lord, just, just help me keep them out of jail in the name of Jesus. Don't look at me that way. I've prayed that prayer. I was so thankful to get beyond that stage. Lord, have mercy. And look at what he says. It says, because of the cares of this bios, the worries, the concerns, the riches, the, 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 the lust for other things, the pleasures of this life, every one of these things God has blessed us with, but when they become a focus more so than the God who gave them to us, then it, it chokes out the word because our hearts are congested. They're, they're thorns. We've got to go through and we've got to pull it. We need some Holy Ghost roundup. That'll kill some stuff. We need, we need some weed killer. We need to continue to spend time in the word and, and pull and plow and haul and weed the garden. I have to weed my garden all the time. It's a crazy thing. I intentionally plant good seeds and the weeds come up on their own. What's up with that? It just aggravates me. And I'm going, you know, I'm, I, I spend this, I, I've got these eight four by eight raised beds and, and I grow tomatoes and I grow herbs and, and I grow cucumbers and squash and some bell peppers and, and one, one bed is totally for flowers. I grow those granny flowers. I bring those in and especially the pink ones because <clears throat> Dawn, Dawn loved the pink ones. Anyway, sorry. Whew. Most of the time I can talk about it. Once in a while it just hits me. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the word But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. I think this is self-explanatory. I'm going to skip some scriptures and just jump to the next one. Hearing the word and producing its fruit in our lives are two entirely different things. The difference is in the condition of our hearts. Are you getting anything out of this this morning? Lastly, my last point, my last point, and I'm truly committed to being brief. If you're coming back and you trust us, you know, 
worship the Lord and get the word, get it said, and not have you a long time in here breathing the recycled air. Thank you for wearing your masks. The fourth one is finally the good one. It's the, the whole heart. Everybody say a whole heart. Luke 8, 15 says, and the seeds that fell on the, say it, the good soil represent honest what? See, every one of these have talked about a heart. Good-hearted people who hear God's word, everybody say cling to it. Cling to it and patiently. Oh, man, that, that's, that's so critical. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm so over all of this weather. I'm just, I'm ready. It's March the 1st tomorrow, which really is kind of the unofficial beginning of spring. You know, the, uh, what is it, vernal equinox? Is that fall? No, autumnal, vernal equinox is spring, yeah. I think that's like the 20th or 21st of March, so it's just right around the corner. I'm ready to see the trees bud. I'm ready for some sunshine. I'm ready for warmer temperatures. I'm ready to get out there and get my hands in the dirt and grow some stuff. Ready for the, my whole rose garden that I have to get come out of dormant stage and to begin to come alive and see some beautiful blooms grow. I love that. I love to grow things. I love to, because I can see a pretty quick return on my investment. Sometimes in my business and dealing in the lives of people, you can invest for years before you see change and it can get discouraging. And so I like to do some things that I can, I can come away at the end of the day and I can go, okay, that I accomplished today. And this month, this is what I grew. These are the vegetables out of my garden. I can bless these people with this. And I'm seeing results. Thank you, Father, you give me patience for tangible results in the lives of people. The most important thing on the planet are people. The most, the most hard thing you deal with are your relationships, but that's the most beautiful thing in your life are your relationships. And sometimes we have to be patient because folk, folk are thorny and, and folk, folk are rocky and folk have some issues. Everybody say, me included. It's every one of us in the room. But a whole heart is one that seeds fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who, everybody say it one more time, who hear God's word, they cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. Hearing God's word and producing its fruit are two entirely different things. The difference is in the condition of our heart. As I close this message this morning, listen to this passage that just leapt in my spirit as I prayed to get ready for this this week. Psalm 139 says, Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home, you know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness, hear this somebody, 
Even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. There's no place that you can go that is so far from him that he can't reach you. There's nothing that you've done that would make him love you any less than he loved you when he set his affection on you before you were ever born. There's nothing you can do in self-righteous religious activity to make him love you more than he already loves you. Somebody say amen. No place I can go to hide from him. I tell people all the time that are dealing with hurt and bitterness and need to forgive God for something that didn't turn out the way they prayed or asked for. I was sharing with a Jack and Tina who've been with me from the beginning. I was talking about my baby girl. I said, you know, it's just so wonderful to see her in a better place because she was so angry at God for a while and so hurt because a couple of weeks before we lost Dawn, Abby fasted three days of her apartment in Nashville and she marched around her apartment quoting scripture for God to heal her mama. And it didn't happen the way we thought that it was going to happen. Anybody in the room this morning that's hurt because things didn't turn out the way you wanted them to or the way you planned for them to or the way you prayed for them to, sometimes we're afraid to say the things that we're thinking because we don't want to hear those words voiced. Sometimes you need to go in and say it and just get it out of your heart and off of your chest because God already knows you're thinking that anyway. And so in honest moments of breakthrough in counseling, I just, I just say, say it, get it, get it all, say it. Let me hear you say it. And in those moments, many times things, a breakthrough comes, a bondage is broken. Forgiveness comes. We get offended, folk, because of expectations, sometimes that aren't reasonable. I believe there's some people here this morning that it's not an issue with God. And it may not even be an issue with somebody else, but you need to forgive yourself. Somebody in the room that needs to hear that. He knows where you are. Two verses and I'm finished. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Hear my heart for you this morning. As I close this message, I love you. I love the Lord with all of my heart. I'm thankful that the tests that I've gone through, that I've never quit. Failure only comes when you quit. Failure comes when you stop too soon. Was it Pastor Jeremy preached last Sunday about losing heart? And I, I thought of the scripture. What is it, Galatians 6, 9? Do not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we shall reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. King James says, do not grow weary in doing good, but in due season we shall reap if we do not faint, if we faint not. And literally the word faint means to lose heart. It means you lose heart and quit, you give up. Somebody this morning, you may not have a sinus rhythm spiritually. You may, you, you may know Jesus, but you just feel like you're numb. You feel like 
Somebody needs to do chest compressions, needs to wake you up, to get you back into a place where all of a sudden there's some receptivity and some spiritual blood is flowing. And one of the greatest ways to do that, you can do self-chest compressions just by praying and breathing out and speaking out of your heart and let the words of prayer come out of your heart and cry out to God and sing to Him and worship Him. Oh, Pastor, I'm not a singer. Let me tell you something. I don't care if you can carry a tune in a bucket. By yourself, you need to open your mouth and cry out to God. Because when you do that, when you praise God, take the pee off, what happens is you get raised up out of the darkness, out of the perspective of limitation, out of the bondage. Come on, what did Paul and Silas do in Acts 16 in a Philippian jail? About midnight, they began to sing praises to God. And the scripture said the prisoners were listening and all of a sudden there came an earthquake. I believe God in heaven stood up off his throne and got to patting his foot. Okay, that's a lesson I just learned right there. And that was Dr. Pepper in there, I want you to know. Diet Dr. Pepper, the elixir of the prophets. <laughs> I'll clean that up. Have you got anything out of this message this morning? Find, find a, pros, a posture of submission. Bow your hearts. If you want to lift your hands, you can. I'm not going to tell you what you have to do. Just do what feels natural to you. Every one of us, let's get in the place right now. Father, we pray these words. Search my heart. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Show me where I need to pull weeds, where I need to plow rocks, I need to haul some of this stuff off to have good soil. I ask you, Lord, to change my heart, oh God. Make it new. Some of you need to say, Father, I have a hard heart. I want a new heart. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. Lights are down. Nobody's looking around. Everybody in this room has a heart condition of some kind. What is yours? us, Lord. Show me if there's anything that offends you. Lead me, O oh God, in the way of life everlasting. We look to you. I'd like the whole congregation, if you would, let's, let's pray this prayer right now. Whoever this applies to, make this, make these words faith-filled and say with me right now, Father, thank you for this word. Search me. Know my heart. Change my heart. Jesus, save me. I trust you. Forgive my sin. Be Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let my heart be whole to produce your fruit. In Jesus' name I pray. All of God's people said. Put your hands together and give the Lord praise this morning. Amen. Thank you for that word, Pastor. Were you blessed by that?